And children, if you haven't already, may be dismissed to Children's Church. I, we want to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus 4. Uh, while you are turning to Exodus 4, I would mention this. Uh, my family went to Guinea, and this is the shirt I got. You know, one of those. My family went to Guinea on a missions trip, and they're back, and I got the shirt. Uh, but uh, we're glad that they're back, and uh, and you'll see them. They'll kind of stand out, too, in the way they're dressed, uh, as they have some some garb from there uh, that they had made. And uh, it was a, a great time, wonderful time, as they were working with Alliance missionaries in uh, Guinea, West Africa, with uh, Lazone. So, if you would, let's look at... Exodus chapter 4, we're going to begin with verse 1 and read through verse 15 here. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and became a snake and he ran from it. The Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Yeah, all right. Uh, So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that you may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. And Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. The Lord Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since You have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes way? Makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. The Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. As I read that, and and last week we read in Exodus chapter 3, as I read through that, I, I think back of, something that happened in our family as our children were growing up. Uh, We expected our children to help out with different things in the the household. They were to serve their household that they were a part of and that they benefited from. And so that's just what was expected. Obviously, it's also expected that along the way there are going to be those occasional excuses or, quote, reasons why they couldn't do something, right? 
other reasons why he couldn't do something. And I, might, I may repeat this tip numerous times up here. It's not that I'm going complete, not today, but I mean in other messages. I just think it's a great way to, to work. Anyway, uh, there's basically two responses to two things that would come up fairly common. And the first excuse would be, I don't know how to do that. I, I, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do that. And my reply would be, great. That is great to hear because what better time than now to learn? Isn't it exciting? It's an exciting time because you can learn and you will have felt like you've done something and accomplished something today and learned something. So this is a great moment. Either, depending on what it was, Roberta or I will teach you how to do that. And, and this is exciting. So this is good. This is good. Now, the second was the opposite of that. The second excuse is the opposite. And that is the one that they would say, I just did this yesterday and I had to do it before. Why am I the only one that has to do it? I don't want to do it. Somebody else do it. Somebody else should do it. And my reply would be, Boy, it's great that you have experience at this. You know what needs to be done. You know what needs to be done. So what better... I can't think of a better person to do that task than you because you already know what you're doing and you got it and that's just great. Eventually, some of them learned that it doesn't matter what they say, they can't win. And you're just going to do it. Guess what? That's what happened here with Moses. It doesn't matter what you're going to say. Moses went on and on, and not only in Exodus 3, but in Exodus 4, about all these excuses, all these things, but it doesn't matter. In the end, it comes down to some of the three most key words that parents use. It comes down to those three important words. I said so. That's pretty much what God's doing with Moses. But what's amazing is today, Christians are able to come up with even more excuses than what Moses did of why we cannot or why we should not serve God. And even going beyond to say, well, I don't know that really God needs me to serve. I mean, God, God, God doesn't want me to serve Him. That's not something, that's something for the more committed Christians. As if God ever uses a phrase like that. I don't even know what that means. Uh, that, that, it's nonsense. Or serving, that serving God is for Christians who have time or talents to do that. Or serving God is for those Christians who, who, who make the choice that that's what they want to do. But like Moses, when God came to him and said, I want you to serve me and by helping to set my people free, just like with Moses, in the end, none of those excuses mattered. Even if Moses would have said, I don't want to. God said it, that settles it. Just ask Jonah how well that went. But Moses, Moses said, Moses, you in this conversation, just do it. I mean, we, we read in verse 12, he says, now go. And he still went on. It didn't matter. Okay, you got Aaron with you. You know, as we look down there, okay, I'll send Aaron. But he didn't say, I'll send Aaron instead of you. He says, okay, Aaron can come with you, which ended up being more of a curse than a blessing if you know about it as you go through. 
but I'll send Aaron with you. But you're still going. You're going to do it. This is what you're to do. We are to follow Christ by his example of serving. This morning, I better turn it on. This morning, the point would be for us to step up and serve the Lord humbly. Last week, we talked about stepping up and serving the Lord happily. Today, step up and serving the Lord humbly. Uh, there are a few who would respond with saying, well, I, I agree with you, Pastor, and I know what you're saying. Um, that's, that's right, but God has not told me, has not come and told me that I'm to serve Him. Um, I only do what God tells me to do. And, I, and, I'm, and so I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait. And it sounds so spiritual, right? I'm going to wait to hear from God and, and uh, whether I should serve Him. I'm going to wait for my burning bush experience. But I believe that Christians have already had their burning bush experience. That God has indeed already directly told us to serve Him. In fact, I brought something with me today. i got to go get it in the back room here. Don't anybody go anywhere. All right? I'll, I'll just keep talking because I think you can still hear me. You know, we've gotten to the point in our pick-and-choose churchianity where Christians say, I will serve the Lord... As soon as he tells me, by dropping what? By dropping a note out of heaven, writing in the sky. Or like Moses, we want God to speak to us from a burning bush, if you will, kind of experience. So this morning, I I just thought I would help us out just a little bit for those of you who are, are looking for God to speak to you through your burning bush experience. I am your burning bush pastor. Okay? Just just saying. You know, some people are probably thinking, Hey, that's kind of creative. Most people are probably thinking, that's ridiculous. (laughs) But you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking like, this is real. I I can't see if I have that up there. (laughs) I'm thinking, this is real. This is what is happening this morning. As real as any burning bush. Not merely because I prayed and I asked God, what is the message that you have for the people today, and I, I'm bringing it to you. Well, somebody could say, "Hey, I I'll listen. If that goes on, I want to see you. Just make sure you tell people the pastor was on fire today." Okay, I don't want any other kind of comments. You let them know you missed it this morning. The pastor was on fire. By the way, I dropped my. Uh, I had one of those little clickers to light it, but I I dropped that, so I'm not going to do that. You know, I I want us to just think through, as as crazy as this is, and I know I could say, well, I pray this is God's message for us today, but I'm still just a man. And so you could easily argue, Pastor, 
you can preach that we're supposed to serve God, but you know what? That's what you're saying. It's your word against mine. But that's not what's happening here this morning. It is not about my word. It is about God's word. It's about what God has to say to us. We want this burning bush experience. But do we grasp why God had to give Moses a burning bush? Moses didn't have the word of God. In fact, Moses was the one who put together the word of God as God spoke to him in the first first books out of our Bible and the first five right there came from Moses. There was no word that he had. There was no Holy Spirit that dwelt and continued to dwell in individuals at that time. There was no other way to speak to Moses except some kind of direct way like a burning bush. That no other way existed. I'm not saying that God cannot give a kind of spiritual burning bush experience to us today. But what I am saying is that God does not need to give us a living fire speaking out of a tree in the middle of the wilderness because He has already given us a living Word of God right here. We've already been given the Holy Spirit of God within us as believers. We do not need a burning bush today because we have the Word of God that should be burning in our hearts as we read it. It is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. And as we sit and wait for some special word from heaven through some burning bush, we ignore the clear word of God that is in our hand that specifically tells us what to do. We need to grasp that when we open up the word of God, that when the Holy Spirit is within us especially, it is always a burning bush experience. Every time you as a believer that has the Holy Spirit within you, every time you open up the Word of God, that is your burning bush. And one of the things that burns bright and clear in God's Word is that God's people must serve Him. Last week started out with a phone call from God. And many probably thought, well, it'd be nice if we could get like a call from God and he could tell me what I'm supposed to do, how I'm, what I'm supposed to do, am I supposed to serve him or not? Well, you know what? Don't worry about it. God called already. You're not going to get a call. God's already called and he's left it on the machine, so to speak, his answer machine right here. And he's told us exactly. So I'm like, well, I don't know exactly what God's will is. We spend... 90% of our time trying to figure out 1% of the will of God that we don't know when there's 99% of it right here that we already know that we should be doing, including serving God. For example, and I know you're not going to be able to read this. It's just going to kind of build. But it, it, depending on how 
And be able to say, I'll read it. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul. 1 Samuel 12, 24. Only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things He has done for you. Romans 12, 9. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Galatians 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love to serve one another. And I could go on, and it just goes up. But all of this should be on fire enough for us to realize that God has called each and every one who is a believer to serve Him. You don't need a burning bush. You've got the burning Word of God. There is no question of what this is. We do not need, through some outward experience or even some inward feeling of the Holy Spirit, to move us to do what God has already called us to do. And yet still, there are those who will say after this, after hearing the actual word of God, that they're looking for some other note. They, they will say, well, I know what that, that's what, the, what it's saying there, but I need the Holy Spirit to confirm the word to me. I, 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 just, need to, I just need to wait. And I, I know what you're saying, Pastor, but from... I'm going to take some time and just need the Holy Spirit to confirm that word. You do realize that these words that are right here are already the Holy Spirit's words. You do realize that the one who put the word there, the one who, as uh, Peter tells us in 121, that who bore along those who wrote the scriptures, it was the Holy Spirit who put that them to write these things that we are reading. These are already the Holy Spirit words. You don't need to hear the Holy Spirit come and confirm what He's already said. Why would He need to do that? We need to step up and serve God humbly. How do we get to that point? Well, one of the ways we get to the point is I take this off. Maybe uh, this can be one of these things we can auction off for the youth to go to life. <laughs> Figure out where to put this right here. All right, first thing we need to look at. All right, God's called us that. How? How in the world do you do that? We must admit to being servants. Here's, here's a pathway of how we get there. Admit to being servants. We are servants of the Most High God and we need to grasp that truth. Ultimately, serving is not what I do for Christ. Rather, a servant is who I am. We don't serve Christ. I mean, ultimately, at the very core of what it is, we are servants of Christ. Not just something we do casually, not just something we do uh, on a weekend, not just something that happens here and there. Servant is who we are. It's not an occasional activity. It is a lifestyle. And throughout the Bible, we see that God's people are called servants. 
whether it be in Deuteronomy 9, where remember your servants Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Moses in 1 Kings 8 was declared through your servant Moses. Uh, the prophets were called servants in Jeremiah 7:25 as well. You go not just to the Old but to the New Testament. Peter calls himself a servant in 2 Peter 1, or John says it in Revelation 1. And Paul is so many different times at the very core of who he is as this great apostle Paul. And all he's done at the very core of who he is and what he says, he says, like in Romans 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Christ. That is the basics. Christians need to grasp. We need to admit who we are, his servants, not just people who occasionally serve God, but we are servants. In fact, let's admit that even right now and say this up here with me. Uh, the, the, the underlined part. Are you ready? I am a servant of the Most High God. Let's say that again. I am a servant of the Most High God. You are. I am. We all are who know Christ. And yet I know at times within the church when we talk about serving it can get confusing because oftentimes we talk about serving, we can say we're looking for volunteers. That can lead us to think that serving is something extra that you can do or not do. It's something that's it, it, when it's convenient, you can do it. It's a bonus activity that I can choose to do if I want to be generous with what I've got with my energy and my time. But it's not my job. It's not my responsibility because I'm in control and I get to pick and choose what I do and what I don't do and what I want. But God did not come to the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 out in this deserted place and come to Moses or, or any place. God did not come out there in this burning bush looking for volunteers to set his people free. God did not come to Moses saying, Hey, Moses, I, I got something that could be really great for you. You're probably the best one for this job. I would like for you to consider coming along and helping me set my people free. So why don't you take some time, Moses, and pray about it and, and get back to me? Uh, you think that's the way God was looking? Just tell me whether you want to volunteer for this. Moses, along with all of God's people, are not volunteers. The church is not the Boy Scouts of America. The church that Jesus Christ is the head of is not a volunteer organization. It is an army that we have all been drafted into. We are his servants. We need to admit that we are servants. It is not open for discussion. There was no separate decision that you need to make because when you decided that you would follow Jesus, you decided to be a servant. It is not what we do. It is who we are. 24-7, 365. We are servants. Let's admit it. As we talked last week, too often contemporary churchianity sets the bar at loving God with just uh, we love Him with all our heart, being measured with how heartfelt our worship is. But we've missed that our work for Him can be worship as well. In fact, I encourage you, you missed last week's sermon to look it up online. So it talks more about that worship versus work and what it is and what the real words that we don't see in our English version say. We show God that we love Him by how we serve Him. Not just with our lips, 
but with our life. Because that's what he's really looking at. How acceptable do you think it would be for a servant who would speak nicely about his master? Say, oh, and I, I got this wonderful master. And, 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 and they like to hang around the master. You know, when the master was there, they would hang around their master. Or the servant was constantly saying, master, thank you for this. Thank you for that, master. And, and then they, they would even talk about, master, you are so wonderful, I mean, what a wonderful man you are. What a, it is, uh, you, I am so blessed, master, just to have you as my master. And then his master commands him to do something and the servant doesn't do it. How do you think that's going to go? How do you think it's going to go when the servant, when the servant goes all the way around? Master, you're wonderful. And the master says, here's what I want you to do. And he doesn't do it. That servant's going to be locked in chains. Maybe worse. Put away. You can talk all you want. But as a servant, your job is to do. How far? We need to recognize that It cannot just be hypocritical when we give him lip service instead of life service, but recognize that the master is coming back to check on our work. Each day we should ask ourselves, how am I being a servant today to Jesus and to others? How am I a servant to Christ today and, and tomorrow What way am I going to be a servant to Christ tomorrow to pursue Jesus and build His kingdom? How is that going to happen? Because that's what we're here for. Everything else in life is secondary and temporary in the eternal scheme. Everything else that we are so wrapped up and so concerned about, some of which, rightfully so, there's some major things, things we got to do and all that kind of stuff. But in light of eternity, everything else is temporary and secondary. So there's no sense that the call today, I guess there is a sense to say that the call today is not to step up and be a servant of the Most High God but just to recognize that we already are. To admit that we are servants. The real question is, what kind of servant will we be? It's not a question of will you be a servant. You are. It's a question of what kind of servant will you be. Matthew chapter 25, we read that parable, the talents uh, and and the servant being given and the master being uh, holding them accountable. And when he comes back in Matthew 25, Uh, Verse 23, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Will we hear that, Well done, good and faithful servant? And maybe for some that doesn't really matter whether I hear that or not. I don't don't care. I don't know. But the problem is you're going to hear something. It's not like, well, if I don't get to hear Jesus say that. No, read the parable. I mean, Matthew 25. What are you saying? There's, there's only two things that are going to be said. 
well done, my good and faithful servant, or you wicked, lazy servant. That's it. And, and I want you to catch here, both are servants. Both are called servants. So it's not a question about whether we're a servant or not. The question is what kind of servant we are going to be. We need to step up and serve humbly. As well, we must submit to being, I probably should say to being a, and I, I didn't fill that out because I was afraid if you saw that on your thing, some of you just take off, right? And it's all that. We must submit to being slaves. How many of you are a little uncomfortable to see that or to hear that? And I'm not saying, and there may be some, but not saying that you're uncomfortable because it brings to mind a horrible picture of slavery that was here in America just a couple hundred years ago. I'm not talking about that. It's uncomfortable to see that or for you to even have to write that if you're keeping the notes with that. It's, it's uncomfortable because I'm, a, I'm not a slave of nobody. I'm the boss of me. I answer to no one. Although if that's so, then how can we call Jesus Lord? Unless, of course, that's just a meaningless religious word that we use or we don't have a clue what Lord means for He is the Lord and Master. He is the supreme ruler and king. Perhaps it's a little hard to take to say that we must submit to being slaves. But it's even harder to take in our flesh when we recognize that the words that are used for servants and other things throughout, even as you look at the New Testament, we were just looking at Matthew 25, right? Well done, my good and faithful servant. No, not really. The word actually, it just we don't put it in there. The word actually is slave. Well done, my good and faithful slave. But we don't want to read that. We don't want to hear that. When we think about what it means to be a slave to God, that means serving Him is not just a job that we do. We don't just punch a clock. We, we don't get a choice. We don't get our input. We don't get to choose when and where we do something. It's not about us being in control as a slave. It's not about our preferences. It's not about our rights. We are to submit to being slaves, which means we live in total, absolute submission to our Lord and Master Jesus. Uh, what we need to understand is before coming to Christ, all of us were slaves. It's just you were slaves to something else. We're all slaves. But when we come to Christ, Romans 6.18 says, now we become slaves of righteousness. We become slaves of Christ. We exist to serve Him in total obedience like a slave to His master. That is the meaning of the word servant. And we have forgotten that we have been bought with a price that we are not our own. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 very clearly says exactly that. It should lead us to step up and serve humbly. I can say we don't have a choice in this, but technically we do. And the choice is to do it or to disobey to walk away from God as our Lord and King. Oh, I'm sure somebody's like, oh, no, 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 da, 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 wait a minute. There's got to be something. There's got to be an angle. There's got to be something here. It's bad enough, point one, 
I have to admit that I'm a servant. Now I'm going to have to submit to being a slave, give up a right surrender to Jesus. Although if we think about it for a moment, I think most of us know that's right. We know that's what the Word says. But how many of us are willing to admit here today that we don't like the term servant, let alone slave, being applied to us? How many? It rubs us the wrong way, deep inside. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to owe anyone anything or be under anybody's obligation to serve them. And most of the time, most of the time, we don't mind if somebody asks us to help out or to serve. If we can do that, yes. But to be in a permanent place where we have to serve at the bidding of someone else, it's hard to know which is screaming louder inside of us, our prideful desire to control or the spirit of rebellion within us. We've got this mini-me inside of us that's standing up and stomping the feet, right? And it's always been this way. Think about it. As kids, we couldn't wait to grow up because then we would be able to be the boss of ourselves. And we've missed that we've been bought with a price. We've missed that we have a Lord and a Master. Although there's still many that have that rebellious attitude inside towards even authority. Outwardly, surely, we don't disobey, we don't backtalk the boss at work or the teacher at school, but inwardly, oh, I'm reminded of the old illustration of the strong-willed child, right? That if you tell me to sit down... Even if I am, even if I do that on the outside, I want you to know I'm standing up on the inside. Right? How many of us? So many times we've got a smile on our face, but we're standing up on the inside. And we're missing the humility that a servant should have. Not just in our earthly relationships, but because of that, it reflects our relationship with our Lord. No one is going to tell me what to do except God, then we say. Okay, it's about the Lord. Nobody's going to tell me what to do except God. I listen to God and His voice only. And that sounds so spiritual to say that. And yet, what would happen if our children came to us one day and said, You know what? I have learned and I have, I've watched what you've said and I've heard godly people say, and mom and dad, I don't have to listen to you anymore. I just need to listen to God because he is the ultimate authority in life. I, I need to hear from God and God alone. Again, kind of like that conversation, what happened to the servant who didn't, you know, what's going to happen to that child? He says, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm listening to God. And, and I know what you're saying, mom and dad, but I just need time to pray about it of whether I'm going to do that or not, and I'm going to listen and see if that's what God says. Is that the way it works? But isn't that the way we kind of treat things in the rest of life? How do you... As you think about that, we don't 
want to be pushed. No, you can't make me. There comes a point in time when we really need to do a, a, an inventory or a, a check and ask ourselves, have we truly, totally surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus? Because if not, it will be impossible to humbly serve Him. And when we do, we'll just end up doing it on the outside, and yet on the inside we'll be grumbling and complaining, and yet we know no true servant or slave would ever think to do that, but rather to be grateful for the great Master that the Lord is and all that He's given us and all that He has done for us. I'm not sure why we have such a low view of being a servant of God. It's such a distaste for being... uh, someone that has to give up our rights and totally surrender to serve another. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Our example, our Savior, a servant. He took on the nature of a servant. We read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, having the same, have, he's speaking to us, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. To admit that I'm a servant, to submit to being a slave, is only to be like Jesus. Jesus gave up so much. More than than we could if we even tried. And he didn't mind being called a servant and and setting that as a humble example. In John chapter 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet, a job that is reserved for the lowest of household slaves that nobody else there was willing to do for one another. And so Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords of the universe, stepped up and served humbly when he should have been the one to be served. And he says in verse 15 there in John 13, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He's not saying that all of us should start washing one another's feet. That's that's not what that means. What he's saying is I've set you an example of how to serve as a humble slave. It fits with what he says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 43. Not so with you instead. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. To be a a servant, a slave, is a great thing. It's our example. I recognize that, at least for some, the message can be hard to hear this, challenging. It's not being said out of condemnation. It's not being said out of, you got to get your act together. In fact, I have seen many humble servants in our midst here at OCCA exemplifying what it means to step up and serve through a life of selflessness and sacrifice that follows Jesus Christ, denying self and dying to self, ultimately living every breath to serve the Savior. But let's join together 
Because that's how he, we build His kingdom. It's when we do it together. An arm cannot do it without a shoulder. A foot cannot do it without a leg. All of us together the way He planned it to be. I really think we get the wrong impression about what a servant or a slave is, about what it means to humbly serve God. If we can get ourselves out of the way for just a moment, maybe we would realize that being a servant of the Most High God is one of the highest honors and privileges that we could ever have to join God in His work, to be used of Him for His glory, to be called His servant even if it's just a humble doorkeeper in his house. Psalm 84 talks about that. Psalm 84 verse 1, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of my Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Verse 10 later says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. I would be happy. I would be thrilled. How many of us would say we'd be happy and thrilled just to be the the doorkeeper in heaven? And if we would be thrilled for that, why would we not be thrilled to be that doorkeeper here on earth? To be that humble servant and slave and whatever he needs worship team come let's pray Lord I pray that you'd help us to this day admit and submit to you for some here it's going to come a lot harder than others for some here today Everybody thinks you already that, that they already are a servant. That we already are doing it. But Lord, we have to admit to you that we're not always doing it humbly. That we're standing up on the inside. That pride is still alive. There is a rebellious attitude within us. Lord, forgive us and give us the strength. I thank you, Jesus, that you set the example, but I also thank you that part of that example and all that you were able to serve, even to be obedient to death on the cross, it wasn't you alone, but that you had those times with the Father that helped, that you had the Holy Spirit that enabled you to do all of these things, the same Holy Spirit that we have. And so set us free to serve you. Help us to recognize this is not something we have to do. It is something we get to do. To be a servant of the Most High God. Help us today. Show us. But more than that, Lord, you've shown us what we need to do. Help us today to just do it to look for ways to serve you and others this way, this week, to build your kingdom in ways that we have yet to even scratch the surface on. Move in us.
Help us even in this moment right now to commit ourselves to you as Lord, Master.